Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. powerful. I was challenged uh, a little bit yet today, yesterday, <clears throat> but challenges is good because challenges uh, really reveals where our faith level is in God. One thing I notice about God that he will always test our faith from time to time. Uh, we have to do that. I mean, you go to school, you get tested in school. Uh, excuse me, to see where you're located. To see have you grasped, comprehended, apprehended that which your professor, coach, teacher has shared with you. So testing is good. <clears throat> and in the midst of testing, what comes out of our mouth and what we do reveals in whom we believe. Do I believe God when I'm tested and challenged in my body, my finances? Who do I believe? I think that's what I want to kind of share tonight. First of all, I want to congratulate all of our radio audience being with us, those that's on chat. Uh, call your family and friends and invite them to be with us today. I've kind of meditated on... on uh, uh, the word of the Lord, especially the epistles, where the Bible let us know that there are certain things that have been accomplished <clears throat> in Christ. But what do that really mean, something has been accomplished in him? What does it mean for Let's, let's use the example of the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory. What do that mean? Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory. Then it goes on to say, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Are you facing something? Have you been experiencing something that has caused you to seek for victory? Or to even question the word of God concerning <clears throat> what God have you at this present time? My question would be to you, are you victorious? Either we are not then God is a liar. The scripture clearly says, let God be true. And every man a liar. What does that mean? Let God be true. Let God be true. Now, if you think about the word let to allow, that means 
We know God is truth. The word of God is truth. John 17, 17, if I'm not mistaken, says, Sanctify them through that truth. That word is truth. The Bible says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. Then the scripture says, let God, let God, let God be true. <clears throat> I share with you, I was challenged a little bit yesterday, a little bit today, uh, in my body. Now, when you are challenged in your body, one of two things is reality. I'm healed or I'm sick. Now, notice the scripture says, let God be true. That means I have the power to make a decision. And I have the power of choice. I have the power to choose what is true. Now, the scripture says, let God be true. I either can let God be true or I can let the challenge be true. If you're challenged with the spirit of infirmity, the Bible clearly says in 1 Peter as well as in Isaiah that with his stripes we are healed. Now the scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. How do you let God be true? God's word say you are healed. God's word say you was Jesus was wounded for your transgression, bruised for your iniquities, and the chastisement that you and I should have received, he received it for us. <clears throat> Either that is true or it's not true. If it's true, then God said, let it be true. You mean to tell me I have the power to allow that to be true? It's true anyway. But he said, allow it to be true to you. Or you can allow Satan's defeat to be true. So it's in my hands, in my court. The ball is in my court, as they say. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let God be true. Let divine health be true. Let your prophetic word be true. Now think about it. If the scripture is saying, let God be true, that means the opposite of the truth must be challenging me. So therefore, when God, you ever notice this? Those of you that are part of, uh, been around uh, myself in this ministry for a while, you, you, I'm sure you've experienced this tremendously. The moment you get a prophetic word, usually what happens? Oh, hell breaks loose. 
I'm in a season right now, I think probably the first time that I can ever remember <clears throat> that I'm seeing prophetic words come to pass back to back and kind of rapidly. I suppose because it's just, I'm in a season of the open door. But usually when you get a prophetic word, we get excited. Wow. Did you hear what God just said about me? Did you not hear what God is getting ready to do in my life? And the next morning you wake up, and you woke up, all hell has broken loose against you. And then you say, how could this be? Did the preacher lie? Was that a false prophecy? What what was that? And then we begin to waver. And not not realizing and understanding God just put you in a situation to let. He put you in a situation to let God be true. How do you let God hold in fast to the confession of your faith without wavering? For he is faithful, that promise. Why do you think we struggle so much? And I think this is the point I want to get to. Why do you think we struggle so much holding fast to the confession of our faith? It's easy to hold fast to the confession of faith when everything is smooth and fine, when all of the bills is paid. Everybody in the house is uh, walking and manifested divine health. There's no opposition, confrontation. You and your relation with you and your relationships. You live in a state of blitz. It's not difficult to hold fast to the confession of faith. But when you get a prophetic word or you get a promise from God, and the moment you make a decision to stand on that word, what happens? It seems like all hell break loose. When God challenged Satan concerning Job, when God challenged him, do you de- desire or consider my servant Job? Now what did what was Satan's response? What is Satan's response concerning you as God has given you a prophetic word? God has given you a promise. He said, notice, notice what he said. He said, Job is not serving you for nothing. Other words, you know human beings. Human beings are selfish. Human beings are self-centered. Human beings don't care about nobody but themselves. So you you know uh, Job ain't serving you for, for nothing. The only reason Job is serving you is because you bless the work of his hands.
Now, that's what Satan says. Then the question would be, is any of us, is any of us serving God because of the promises of the blessing? He's not serving you for anything. I mean, listen. Now, I know and you know how human beings, you created them and you know them. You know that they're selfish. You know that they're self-centered. You know that they're self-righteous. You, you know them. So, therefore, if you take away his prosperity, And watch what will happen. Let's read it, if you will. Can we read it? Could you hold on for one minute, if you will? Thank you. <clears throat> Job chapter 1, starting at verse, verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Back and forth throughout the whole earth. Back and forth. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth? A blameless and upright man, one who fears God and, and shuns evil? Now, before we go on, this must not be a story when we read the Bible. Always read the Bible from a personal perspective. Read it as God speaking to you. You, your, your life will become more of alive. Instead of reading it just to memorize it, or to quote scripture, or to be enlightened. Now, notice what it said. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Let's make it personal. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant E.J.? That there is none like him on the earth? Has God said that about you? Can God say that about us? A blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Do I fear God and shun evil? Do you fear God and shun evil? So say the answer to the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? You know human beings. You created them. You made them. And nobody serves anybody for nothing. People don't go to work free. So you think he's serving you free? You know everybody that uh, go to church. Go church going people. Why do they go to church? They go to church because they want a reward. They go to church because they want a blessing from you. They go to church because they want something. They're not going to church for nothing. They're not going to prayer meeting for nothing. Then my question really would be to us: Is Satan telling the truth? Is Satan telling the truth to God that we are, we are only serving him because what he's done for us or because what he say he's going to do for us? 
Once again, so Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Verse 10, Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands. In other words, everything his hand touches, it turns into gold. Everything his hand touches, it multiplies, it increases. He said, you have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions has increased in the land. He's not serving you for nothing. Is there anyone on, on, uh, on this broadcast tonight that has been uh, challenged to give up and to quit? And not understanding that this is not the devil, but the Lord God has challenged Satan concerning you? Is it possible? So he says here, have you made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all he has on every side? That's one of the things that every born again believer needs to understand. The moment you really become born again, you are born again with a hedge. But the problem with the hedge, we break the hedge. As the scripture says, you break the hedge and the serpent come in and bite. So he says here, verse 11, but now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. And this is what Satan says. This is what Satan saying to God. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. Now watch this right here. This is beautiful here too. Now notice whose hand is being stretched out. And notice who's getting ready to touch Job's stuff. Satan is telling God, if you stretch out your hand, and if you touch all that he has, he will surely curse you to your face. Now watch this right here. Verse 12. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now this should help you to understand something. This, is, this right here should really, really help us to understand Ladies and gentlemen, it's only temporary what you're going through, what you've been challenged with. Because look at here. Look at here. Now, who touched Job? Who touched him? Who touched his children, killed his children, livestock? Because when you read it, we focus on Satan. But notice what Satan says to God. But now stretch out your hand. You, God, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and touch all that he has and touch all that he has. And he will surely curse you in your face. Are you getting this? Other words, Satan acknowledges 
that when nothing could happen to Job unless God himself touched him. But God is not, is not touching him directly. Because look at here. The next verse says, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. So Job, uh, Satan says, Scratch out your hand and touch all that he has. God turns around and said, Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. So when Satan began to destroy, the reason Satan say, scratch out your hand and touch, because Satan know he can't touch, and Satan know he can't scratch out his hand, unless God give him permission to scratch out his hand. By the mere fact that Satan is destroying it's nothing but the fact that God is giving him permission. So God is touching, but it's not God. It is Satan, because Satan just got permission. God turns around and says, watch it, behold, all that he has is in your power. Why would God do this? Why would God give Satan permission? to touch the very things that God blessed him with. Why? This is becoming more of a reality to me more and more every day, ladies and gentlemen. More and more every day. Now, my question would be to you. <clears throat> now, let's see here what the Bible says concerning uh, Joe's blessings. Start verse 1. Now, there was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright. He was what? Blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Verse 2, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Are you getting this? So we see here the man basically was wealthy. Who gave him this wealth? Had to be God because the Bible said he was blameless and upright, He feared God. How do you know he feared God? One, one, one of the definitions of the fear of the Lord, this is my, my definition. We know, we know fear of God is reverential fear of God. But to fear God is to live in dependency upon God. To fear God is, is to, to have such a relation with God, you, you walk so carefully that you don't want to hurt him. You don't want to wound him. You don't want to hurt his heart. So you'll, 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 you don't serve him for all of the possessions. As a result of his fear of God, the possessions came. The reason he had so much is because he feared God. So, But Satan tried to turn... Job's 
relationship with God tried to turn it and manipulate God. Now, God knows the heart of every man. God had already said that Job was a man that was blameless, a man that was upright, and a man that feared God. God said that. Job, Satan comes around and says, uh, he's not serving you for nothing. You've got a hedge of protection around him. You have a hedge of protection around his household. And you have a hedge of protection around everything uh, that he possesses. You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Are you getting this? And don't you understand that Job is not serving you for nothing? He's serving you for you to keep a hedge of protection around him. He's serving you to keep a hedge of protection around his children. He's serving you to keep a hedge of protection around his household. He's serving you to keep a hedge of protection around his cattle, his sheep, his goats, his oxen, and everything that he owns, his household, and the property. That's why he's serving you. And the Lord says to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And then you read on 13 on down, he goes forward to start destroying. When you read this, excuse me, when you read this, it doesn't, what's the purpose? Well, I believe it's already revealed in the Word of God. Satan, no human beings. Now, Job isn't serving God for nothing. Then my question would be to us today. I want you to think about it. Why do you serve God? Why are you serving God? So you have to answer that legitimately because God already knows. Why am I serving God? Why why am I preaching the gospel of the kingdom? Why? I want to come back over here uh, to Job. But there is a scripture. I think I brought it out the other day. I want to bring it out again, ladies and gentlemen. God said that Job was an upright man. He said, Job feared the Lord. Satan says, no, he don't. He's only serving you because of what you blessed him with. And I guarantee you, you scratch out your hand and touch all that he has, he will curse you in your face. What does it mean to curse God in his face? What does it mean to curse God in his face? Have you ever cursed God in his face? See, you probably think of profanity. 
to curse God in his face is to stop murmuring and grumbling and complaining concerning what is happening to you. To curse God in his face is to defect from God because of what is transpiring in your life. Now, Satan says, God, excuse me, God, Job is not serving you for nothing. As a matter of fact, he's the richest man in the East. And he got to be full of pride. Look at this, if you will, in John chapter 5. I'll be reading this out of the Amplified Version. Now, to fear God, to love God, do you believe that? Notice what Jesus says in John chapter 5. Reading out the Amplified Version. Verse 42, but I know you and recognize and understand that you have not the love of God in you. He's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. I have come in my Father's name and with his power, and you do not receive me. Your hearts are not open to me. You give me no welcome. But if another comes in his own name and his own power and with other authority but himself, you will receive from him and give him your approval. The verse I want you to focus on more than anything is verse 44. How is it possible for you to believe? How can you learn to believe? You who are content to seeking and receive praise and honor and glory from one another. And yet do not seek the praise and honor and glory which comes from him who alone is God. So that's what Satan knows right there. I know Job is not serving you for nothing. He's the richest man in the east. And he's going to curse you in your face. Now, did Job curse God in his face? We see a great episode in his life. We see great, great um, pain that this man of God went through. Can, can you imagine that in one day? One day you're the richest man in, in, in the world, uh, in the East, one day, and within the one day, you—I mean, you—you you broke. One, one day, everything is gone. If there's anyone that experienced anything that you lost, and it seemed like God has left you, so He touched everything. Job did not curse God in his face. Notice his attitude, though. Let, let, me, let, me, let me read this right here to show you 
one behind another, 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 one behind another. It seemed like it had been overwhelming. What is the buzzword that deteriorates so many people's health today? Stress. Would you would have been stressed out one by one? Verse 13, listen. Now there was a day when the sons, the, excuse me, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the uh, donkeys feeding beside them when the uh, Sabaeans raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came. Another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burnt up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Satan going to make sure somebody escape and tell you. He didn't get them all. He got everybody with one so you can come back and tell Job or somebody can come back and tell you. Are, are, are you seeing this? Verse 17, while he was still speaking, another also came and said, the chapter has found three bands, excuse me, formed three bands. Raided the camels and took away, took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. <laughs> only one, only one escaped to come and let you know the tragedy that is going on. I'm going somewhere with this. Just bear with me, if you will. Verse 18. While he was still speaking, another also came in and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly, <coughs> excuse me, and suddenly a great wind came, and, uh, came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners um, of the house. And it fell on the young people. And they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Joe's ro arose, tore his clothes. And shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. Oh, no, wait. Did it say that? He fell to the ground and did what? The Bible says he worshipped. He fell to the ground and worshipped. When tragedy hit us, calamity, when was the last time you fell to the ground and you began to worship God in the midst of, of all of the evil reports that you've been getting? The Bible said he fell to the ground in worship and he said, this was what, what came out of his mouth while he was worshiping God. Naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked shall I return there. The Lord gave. And the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 22 says, In all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with his wrong. You ever notice some people just charge God? I mean... They never experienced this. Why did God take my daddy? 
Why did God take my mama? Why did God take my children? Why did God take my house? Why did God take my car? Why did God take my job? Who will worship? When we begin to speak like that, to begin to blame God and charge God because of the misfortunes that we have experienced or the persecution that we have experienced, it's a revelation that Satan is right. Satan is showing God, I told you, they're not serving you for nothing. They're not serving you because they love you. They're only serving you because of what you gave them. They don't love you, God. They love what you can do for them, and they love what you have done for them. They do not love you. We started this session out, let God be true, and every man alive. Excuse me one more time, if you will. I'm draining. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let God be true, and every man alive. Job just made Satan out of a liar, and Job just made God a God of truth. What? What? Is, what is, how did he make God a God of truth? God said he feared God. God said he shunned evil. God said he was blameless. I'm going to tell you what God is doing here. I'm going to tell you exactly what God is doing. I know we're in a, we're in a season of transferring the wealth. I know without a doubt. But can Satan say to God, the reason they're serving you is because of what you're getting ready to manifest? They don't got all these prophetic words. They already see some things that are already beginning to happen. Uh, testimonies is coming forth, how God is moving for them supernaturally. You think they're serving you for nothing? Do you think they are serving you for nothing. But the Bible says, the word of God says, in all this Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Now, when everything is well, you'll say, I love God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what I love the Lord with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. But when God starts touching your money, God start touching your health. When I say God, the reason I say God touch it, because nobody can touch it unless God get a double permission. In the midst of my challenge, uh, started yesterday, really Sunday evening, in the midst of me being challenged, that one time I've cursed God with me. I can't never, since I've been saved, ever blaming God for nothing. And usually when anything appears to be negative that happened to me, I, I, I deserve it. Even though I haven't done anything wrong, I deserve it. God did not have to save me. He didn't have to give me a mind to say yes. So many millions have not said yes. And they have died and went to hell. 
But all of the challenges that I've gone through from the time I got saved to now, I have never cursed God in my mouth. I have never blamed God for anything I've gone through. God clearly lets me understand what the situation went through several years ago. He said, this, ain't, this is not the devil, this is me. This is going to help us. Let me ask you this question. This this. This 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 is what God taught me years ago when I was a uh, uh, um, uh, uh, a younger preacher. Still in my midst of me uh, being processed, God began to teach me some principles. Because I went through, I'm gonna tell you, I went through some things. I know the average person would have never been able to go through. They would have they would have gave up on God. But I'm sure the principle that God shared with me. He didn't let me know anytime something appeared to be negative is happening to me. One of three things has had taken place. He says, I'm developing something in you or the invention of myself in you that has never been developed before. I'm revealing something to you that you have never seen before. And I'm doing something that I have never done before. I know I probably got that kind of mixed up. I don't remember verbatim because it's been oh, 30 years ago. <clears throat> About 30 years ago. He said, never focus on the devil nor man. He said, focus on me. Now, I need you to really get this down pat. That same devil that was walking to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why was he walking to and fro throughout the whole earth? Well, this is the same devil that God told Micah to kick him out of heaven. There was a war between Satan, Lucifer, and his angels, and God and his angels, and Micah and his angels. It kicked them out to the earth. Now watch this here. <clears throat> Did God defeat him? Yeah, through who? Michael. Not even his son. Angel on angel. Michael operating under the command of God. He got God's biking. Satan operating his own strength. The script that God gave him. <laughs> he got kicked out. Now Jesus comes on the scene. Calvary's cross. Defeats Satan. Rose on the third day. Took back all authority. That was once given to him in the earth realm. Send it on how now sits on the right hand of the Father. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you belong to God? You're going to tell me yes. You belong to God. You was bought with a price, isn't that right? Yes. How were you bought? With the shedding of Christ's blood for the remission of my sin. Have you been given authority? Yes. Who gave you authority? The one that rose with all authority in heaven and in earth. Christ Jesus. 
Now, you belong to the Lord. Now, I want to ask all you on, on this broadcast tonight. If you had a precious diamond ring that is valued at $5 million, it's within your power. It's in your hand. If someone is three years old and they came to try to snatch that precious stone out of your hand, do a three-year-old have power and strong enough to take that diamond ring out of your hands? Absolutely not. We don't. We we don't have never have have not known. Excuse me, of any child that is strong enough to take something out of an adult's hand. So a child cannot take it out of your hand. Now, you belong to God, right? Yes. Are you in the hands of God? According to John ten, yes. Can Satan snatch you out of God's hand? Absolutely not. He's not that powerful, is he? No. He don't have the authority either, but he's not that powerful. God is all-powerful. Satan still have power, but he's not all-powerful. So you and I are born again. We belong to God. We are sons of God, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. So what the Bible says, right? Yes. So if you and I are the property of Almighty God, do God not know how to protect what's his? Absolutely. Can Satan defeat God? No. Can any of his can his whole army defeat God? Absolutely not. So when things begin to happen to us that appear to be negative, and we belong to God, we are the property of Almighty God. Then don't you and I should think that okay, if this is happening, and I belong to God, who is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. And Satan is a created being. God is the creator. I'm his son. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. So if anything happening, shouldn't I just stop and think, well, maybe God is allowing this to happen? But why is he allowing it to happen? That he can receive the maximum amount of glory. And what is the maximum amount of glory? Ladies and gentlemen, the maximum amount of glory is you and I do not sin with our mouth. We don't blame God. We don't curse God with our mouth. That means we love God more than the things he's given us. And that's the battle, really. That's the battle more than anything, ladies and gentlemen. That's what God is after. He's after our heart. I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me good. The fight isn't between Satan and God. Well, I, 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 let me take that back. It is between Satan and God. But but, but the, the spiritual warfare that you and I are engaged in, it's really not against Satan directly, but indirectly it's against Satan. The warfare that you and I fight against and, and really understand the greatest enemy. The greatest enemy 
to our relationship with God is really not Satan. The greatest enemy to our relationship with God, our intimacy with God, is not demons. The greatest enemy is not principalities and powers. You know what the greatest enemy to our intimacy is the very thing that God bless you with. The very thing that God bless you with, the very thing that God promises you, is the greatest enemy to your intimacy. You say, whoa, wait a minute, preacher. Wait a minute. How in the world could the promises of God, the blessings of God, be my greatest enemy? Think about it. The children of Israel, they're getting ready to receive their promise. They're getting ready to go into Canaan, and they're getting ready to drive out the enemy, and they're getting ready to possess the land. What did Moses tell them in Deuteronomy? He said, I know what's going to happen. You get ready to go into the land, and you're going to apprehend the promises of God. The very thing that God promised, you're getting ready to receive it. He's getting ready to give you, uh, you're getting ready to have houses that you didn't build. You're going to have vineyards that you didn't plant, fruit trees that you didn't plant. <clears throat> the wealth of Canaan is getting ready to be transferred over to you. you get ready to live in the blessings of God. He said, but I know this is what's going to happen. He said, when you are eaten, have eaten, and you are full, you're going to forsake God. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What are you saying, preacher? But this is a promise from God. Uh-huh. A promise he made Abraham 400 years ago. 400 years. In Genesis 12. Get thee from that country that fathers has to go to the land that I should tell thee of. So tell them what's going to happen. You're going to possess this land. 400 years later, they go and possess the land. But Moses says, I know it's, well, I'm tell you what's going to happen. When you're eating and you are full, you're going to forsake the Lord. And this is what evidently Satan was banking on with Job. Job was wealthy. He had more than enough everything. And Satan was banking on the very blessings that God gave him to turn Job from God. To turn him from God. Your greatest enemy is your house. Your greatest enemy is your car. Your greatest enemy is your business. Your greatest enemy is your bank account. Your greatest enemy is these things that can take your heart away from God. It's not the devil. It's the blessings. It's the promises. How can that be, preacher? Because what happens is this right here. When you get the promise and you start enjoying the promise, usually if you enjoy the promise without a perspective, the proper perspective, the very thing that God gave you would become God. The very thing that God gave you would become God. I was sharing this principle on Sunday. 
concerning Abraham. Abraham, you know the story. God promised him a son. He didn't receive the son until he became 100 years old. And God allowed him to enjoy this boy for 25 years. One morning, Abraham woke up uh, uh, um, feeling good. He woke up. We're going to go play some football, basketball, son. Let's go hang out like we normally do. You're the son of my old age. And I just love being around you, son, spending time with you. He woke up that morning, had plans to spend some intimate time with his son like he have been doing for 25 years. But this particular morning, he woke up, God said, Abraham, you go worship this morning. No problem, God. You want me to go worship? Yes, son, I want you to go worship. Okay. Well, well you want me to go worship one of the mountains I'm going to tell you, Mount Moriah. And I want you to offer Isaac, whom you love, as a sacrifice. We see in the word of the Lord, he began to move out and obey God. Now, you know, without a doubt, the very thing that God promised him, God is asking him to give it up, to sacrifice it. And, and, and you know there had to be warfare in his mind. Why would God want me to sacrifice the very thing that he gave me? This is a miracle child. Why would he want me to sacrifice? We don't see him questioning God. We see him obeying God. He goes up. He says, his son said, Daddy, uh, where's the sacrifice? God will provide one. They get to the Mount Moriah. The Bible says he bind his son and put him on the altar. What is so significant about this and fascinating about this, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, Isaac is 25 years old at this time. Abraham is 125. Isaac is in his prime. We don't see a struggle. We don't see a struggle with Isaac with his daddy. There's no struggle. He submits and yields. Willing to allow his daddy to slay him. I'm going somewhere with this. Why would Abraham, I mean Isaac, will submit to his father and willing to die in the hands of his father? You have to reveal trust. Number one. Where did trust come from? Because he knew the story of his life. He knew his history. His daddy told him how he missed it and his, how his brother came into existence, Ishmael, who's 13 years older than him, how he came into existence, how he missed God by listening to his wife, Sarah, and how he got his act together. And God waited till he could not do anything in his own strength. So therefore, the father rejuvenated my body, your mother body. Son, there's no other. You, you, you are special. You are a promise. There's nobody else in this land that has had a child at 190 years old. It's none. So he knew he was special. He's seen his daddy's relationship with God. 
He learned how to worship God right along with his father. He learned how to commune with God right along with his father. So his father had a relationship with God, and through his father's relationship with God, Isaac had to develop a relationship with God. If this is God's will for me to die, he'll struggle because I belong to God. I came into this world supernaturally by the hand of God. So if the same God that brought me here supernaturally want me to be sacrificed, so be it. You see no struggle. Abraham now lifts up the knife um, and getting ready to slay his son. You know the story. And what the, the Bible said, the angel of the Lord spoke and said, stop, stop, stop. Abraham, now I know you won't withhold any good thing from me. Now I know. Other words, the very promise that I gave you have not be taken my place in your heart. You was willing to give the very thing that I promise you that lets me know that you love me. Isaac have not taken my place in your heart. Now I know. Now the question would be to the majority of us on this broadcast tonight, did God not know if he's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent? Did we do we not read scripture that God knows the hairs on everybody's head? Then why would God say, "Now I know"? If you're already supposed to know, that's how that's what get us make, uh, messed up. That well, God already know. It doesn't mean anything. Will God know? What do you know? You say, "What do you mean, preacher?" See, we gotta understand how God operates. God said, now I know you won't hold, withhold any good thing from me. How did God know? God knew, but he had to know through Abraham's action. Other words, what God knew in his heart had to be actualized in the earth. This is how you, we got to understand. That's what the Bible of faith for that works today. Faith on the only thing that pleases God. In other words, faith is in the heart of God. What God knows in his heart, somebody believes it and they step out by faith and do what, God, what is in God's heart. Then God can say, now I know. Then God can say, now I know. Not that he don't know, but what he knows now has been made manifest in the earth by your action. And this is, this is where the power of being a doer of the word and not a hearer only, you deceive yourself, the scripture says. It's, it's, it's you stepping out and doing what God said, and God can say, now I know. We don't see God saying that about Job, but it's exactly what God said about Job. There's none like him. There, see, see, God said it before. With Abraham, he said afterwards. Satan, do you desire my servant Job that there's none like him? Man upright in the heart, fears God, shun his evil. There's none like him. Now I know. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Job did not allow his children, his wealth, to take God's place because he did not sin with his mouth. Abraham did not allow his son, the son of his old age, to take God's place. They did not become an idol. Anything that is hard for you to give up is an idol. Anything that is hard for you to give up, is, that's the thing that's become God. It has taken God's place. Anything that is hard for you to say no to has now taken God's place in your heart. And it's always usually the blessing, the promise of God. Well, my time is up. And I went over my time, matter of fact. I pray that you receive something from the Lord today. I pray your thinking was challenged. Let God be true. Abraham, let God be true. Job allowed God to be true. And everything else, a lie, a shadow. When God stopped manifesting his promises and blessings to you, will you let God be true? Can God say to you and I, now I know EJ won't withhold any good thing from me? With blessings, I will bless him, multiply, I will multiply him as the stars of heaven and sand upon the seashore. Let this be God's declaration to you today. We thank God for you, for joining us on the broadcast today. Well, we'll be with you on tomorrow evening. I know some of your work, if you can join us on your lunch break. Uh, that's the day that we set aside, we share in areas of relationship. I pray that the rest of your night will be blessed, and I pray that you will have a sweet sleep, and your dreams and vision will be induced by the Spirit of the living God. <laughs> and I pray that you will prepare your heart for the transfer of the wealth that is taking place at this present time. As it's transferred to you, posture yourself. Remember this word today, that you are not going to allow the very thing that God promised you to become an enemy to your relationship and your fellowship and your communion with your Father, with the Lord Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. We love you appreciate you. Once again, this has been your host, Dr. E. McKenzie, with the Master Key. God bless you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.